It just got gooder and gooder in here, didn't it? Don't go far. Well, welcome to Victory Christian Center, everybody. Um, for those of you I've never met before, my name is Juan. And uh, together with my wife, Deidre, we get to be lead pastors here at Victory Christian Center. Welcome to our online campus. We so wish you were with us here this morning, uh, but we know that God's presence knows no bounds, and so um, it's great having all of you joining us online as well. Want to um, congratulate our United Youth. We had a number of them go down to Fine Arts this weekend, and we've got a number of them going on to nationals. They're going to be using their gift, so United we're proud of you, and we're excited for you. I want to make mention that Andrew Lucas and Tiffany Maceros are not only going to nationals, but they were number one in the state of Ohio in their own category. So God bless you guys. But we're, uh, we're going to go ahead and, and get in God's word here. How, how many love your church? I love my church. Come on. I love my church. And whoo, love my church. And. You know, for some people, that may seem strange. That may seem strange to say that I love my church because some people, they like their church. They tolerate their church. Um, but if you're like me and you grew up in church, there were times and moments where I, I didn't love my church. And, but we, I love my church, and it's okay to love your church. In fact, just to build common ground, I want to show you some pictures of things that I, I would think that almost all of us love. And so here, here's some things that I think all of us love. Let's go ahead and put that first picture up there. Come on. Right? I mean, you got to love puppy dogs. I, I love puppies. I love puppies. And now here's something else that everyone loves, I would think. Yeah, see? I don't, I don't know where that is, but I just love that. I don't, I don't know where it is, but I love that. Sand between the toes. This island boy loves him some beach, and um, here, here's something else. I'm going to make the lunch decision for you guys today, <laughs> right? Especially this area. We love pizza. I mean, people leave places like the last picture we saw so that they can come back to Youngstown because of the pizza. And we're not doing Pizza Hut. No, no. It's Wedgwood, it's Ianazone, it's Bellaria, it's Coca's, right? It's Southgate, it's Uptown, it's what am I missing? Oh, Elmton, Elmton, the Swiss cheese on the pizza, right? We love our pizza. You guys are funny. Here, here's something else that, that people in our area love. Yeah. Moving right along, quickly. So, so for those of you who don't know, that's, that's, the, uh, that's a place in Pittsburgh. That's the Heinz Stadium. Let's, but here's something that we can maybe all agree on. Let's do the next, next picture. Ohio State. OH. We love the Buckeyes, right? We love Ohio State. And there's nothing weird about, there's nothing weird about loving puppies and loving your favorite college football team. 
maybe something weird about loving the Steelers, but no, that, you know, that it, what I'm saying is it's okay to love your, your favorite football team and, and all of that. But here's something that I love more, something I love more. Next picture. I love my church just a little bit more than I love my favorite college football team. It's not bizarre to love our favorite football team, right? But I think we just need a vision greater than what we have for our college football team. And so it's not bizarre. You know, and I love our church. I love, I love this moment of our church. I love our gatherings. Now, you do know that in your relationship with Jesus, as you follow Jesus, this, this moment, what we're experiencing right now, this isn't the sum total of our walk with Jesus, but it's an important part of our walk with Jesus. It's the gathering. It's the coming together, right? And, and one of the things that we do here is we worship. And so, and so church, we, we all know that church, when I say I love my church, we know that it's not a building. We know that. We know that church is people. Um, but it's... A functional definition for a church could be a place where people gather to worship, right? Most of you got up this morning and said, I'm going to church. I'm going to church. And, and so what you were saying was, I'm going to gather together with others to worship. And that, that's a good functional definition. That church is a place where people gather to worship. And worship defined, simply defined, worship. Here's what worship means. Worship means love expressed. Love expressed, right? That's what worship means. And so if, we're, if a church is a gathering where people come together to express their love, then I want to ask you a question. Do you know what the largest church in Ohio is? It's this next picture. That's the largest church in Ohio. No, it, that's the right picture. Put it back up. There it is. That's the largest church in Ohio, where people are coming together, they're gathering to express their love for something or someone, right? This is, this is the largest church in Ohio. People come here even if it's raining. They come here when it's cold. In fact, dad turns to junior and when it's pouring down rain as they're sitting outdoors in this church, dad is looking at his son and daughter saying, I'm raising you right. I'm teaching you how to be a fan, a real fan. We're here no matter the weather, right? The seating capacity in this church is over 104,000. And no one turns to their neighbor and says, well, I just like going to football games where I know everybody. Well, I just like going to football games where I could tell the coach how to run the plays. <laughs> Nobody says that in this church. And the traffic in this church, they will sit in traffic just to get to this church and enjoy it. In fact, they'll show up hours before church begins in the parking lot and take out some grills and some hamburgers and hot dogs and bratwurst and 
And they will be in the parking lot celebrating the church before it even starts. You know why? Because those people love their church. This church has a couple of lead pastors. They've got a senior pastor, an assistant pastor, and a bunch of associate pastors who lead this church. At this church, you know what's interesting about this church? You have to give an offering before you even get in. This church will affect your wallet. It will. And, and listen, you do not support something until you give to something. And nobody is saying, well, man, they're just always after my money. No, we're not saying that. You know what we're saying? We're giving the offering and we're paying the $20 for the hot dog and for the Coke. And nobody says anything. You know why? Because these folks love their church. They love their church. This church's general operations budget is over $160 million. And nobody was mad about it. Because they love their church. And, and the worship at these churches? Have you ever seen the worship at these churches? Do that next picture. Here, here's the worship at these churches. It's unreal. I've never seen people worship. I mean, they come with their face painted. They come dressed up. They, they're there. I've never seen it. It's unreal. And listen, they don't worry about reverence. Because it's hard to be reverent when you're celebrating. about reverence they're full tilt they're going after it these people worship better than any people I've ever met in my life and you know why because the louder they get it means the better the players on the field do they worship real loud because they know that the louder they get the better the team does and they love their church here's what I'm saying it's okay to love your favorite college football team it's okay it's all right I, there's nothing wrong with that because this is the here's what we're used to this is the part of the service where the preacher drops the boom on you and and says something like this y'all should be reading your bibles more than you are watching football right that's what we're used to i'm not saying that it's all right to love your football team in fact if you've got season tickets your pastor will love it with you hey <laughs> Ohio State, Michigan game, I'm there, I'm with, I'll pay the offering, <laughs> gladly, right? It's okay to love your favorite football team. Here's what I'm saying, it's okay to love your church more. If we could love puppies and, and pizza and, and Pittsburgh, I, I, what, I'm, so what I'm saying, is it's not weird to love your church. I love, I love my church. And so I want to talk a little bit today about why I love, love my church. In celebration of who we are and this moment as we gather on Sunday mornings, 
As we gather on Sunday mornings, here's point number one that I want to share with you. It's this. It's passion. Passion. We have to have passion in our lives for our church. Passion. In fact, in John 2, chapter 17, excuse me, John 2, verse 17, it says, passion for God's house burns within me. This is Jesus. Jesus says, passion for God's house, it burns within me. God created all of us as human beings to be passionate, to love, and to be loved. He's placed passion on the inside of all of us. That's why some of you, some of you dog people, when you saw the puppies, you just melted in your seat. Oh my God, puppies. And you melted in your seat. You know why? Because you're passionate. He put that on the inside of you. Some of you saw, some of you saw the, 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 the Steelers Stadium and you went nuts, right? Browns fans booed. Steeler Nation rose up and was like, no, we've got six rings and you're passionate, right? That's passion. How can you do that? It's because God made us passionate. He put passion on the, on the inside of us as human beings. Listen to me. Passion and worship. Passion is not ignorant. Passion is not ethnic. Passion is innate because God has placed within each and every one of us the capacity to be passionate, to go after, to express love towards something or someone because he's made us that way. I'm passionate about the local church. I'm passionate because I belong to a global enterprise that's reached around the four corners of this globe. It's impacting and transforming lives. It's bringing the only message that can save men and women. It's setting people free. It's healing the sick. It's, it's feeding starving children. But more than anything, it's bringing Jesus, the answer, to the four corners of the globe. That's why I'm passionate about the church. The other reason we're passionate is because the Bible says we were created in his image. And God is passionate. My God, the Bible says that he dances and sings over us. He sustains you by the constant God movement and singing that he does over your life. That as he sings over you and twirls over you, your, your, the molecules, the atoms, the components that make you up are spinning in a, in a rhythm and in, in a way that's faster that we, can, that we can ever measure through science. And what's keeping you breathing and keeping you alive and keeping you walking and keeping you in your straight mind. It's a God that's singing and dancing over you that's keeping you moving because he's passionate. In fact, Revelations 3.19 says, those whom I dearly and tenderly love, I, I, I tell their faults and convict and convince and reprove and chasten. I discipline and instruct them and watch this. So because of this, be enthusiastic and in earnest and burning with zeal and repent, changing your mind and attitude. God is saying, Hey, guys, repent. Change the way you think. Trade in lukewarmness. 
Trade in cute Christianity. Trade in stale, anemic, uh, a cold, dead, dry religion. And embrace real. Embrace enthusiasm. Embrace passion and zeal for Jesus the Christ and his church. Change the way you think. 2 Corinthians 8, 7, the Message Bible says it like this. This is Paul, and he's talking to a church. He's talking to a church, and he's commending them, and he's saying, hey, guys, you do so well in so many things. You trust God. You're articulate. You're insightful. But you're also passionate. I love that. Paul is saying, you're articulate. You've got excellence down. You've got, you've got all the stuff down. You're doing well, but here's what I love about you. You're also passionate. And so, and so here at Victory Christian Center, we're going to be excellent. We're going to be articulate. We're going to practice. We're going to make sure that when we show up, things are ready, things are prepared. But we will never embrace prim and proper, and we will never just do excellence at the expense of passion. Because God wants us to be passionate people just like him. Passionate about the lost passionate about our community, passionate about people getting baptized and taking their first step with Jesus, passionate about worship and passionate about Jesus because that's the only time that Jesus comes and shows up and shows off. Someone give him praise for just a moment, but only if you're passionate. God wants us to burn for him and his church. That we would be passionate, that we would burn. In fact, Romans 12, 11 says it like this. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. There's that word again. Enthusiasm or enthusiastic, to, to be enthused, the original Greek word literally means this. God within, entheos. It means God on the inside of you. Could you imagine the totality and fullness and expanse of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in the body of a mother, Pastor Rita West? That the fullness of God, the God who holds the universe in the palm of his hands, will inhabit and live in and take up residence in that body, in this body. And so enthusiasm means, to have enthusiasm means to have God within. And can I tell you, there is no container, there is no box that can contain God. And so when you're enthusiastic, what's happening is that all of God, like the scripture says, that we are dwelt in, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in in me and I can't contain God he is not in me like a lake he is in me like a river and he's ready to burst forth out of me out of my hands out of my feet out of my mouth because God is in you and he wants out that's enthusiasm pressure valve what was this morning why did I have to sing? Because there's a pressure valve that needed to release something. I couldn't be silent. Well, pastor, you know, well, you've, there's order and there's, you know, you've got to do it a certain way. Well, well, you take that home with you and you enjoy that. But I'm, I've got to be passionate about my Jesus. 
be passionate about your church. Here's why I'm passionate about church. Here's why. I'm giving you two reasons why, and we'll wrap things up. I'm passionate. So number one is passion. Number two, I'm passionate about the church because of presence. His presence. The presence of God. Listen, I don't want to go to church if God doesn't go to church. I don't. Well, you're a pastor. I know. I don't want to do this if God doesn't show up. I would rather attend, if you're inviting me to a church where God doesn't go to that church, no thank you. I'd rather attend bedside assembly with Pastor Pillow and Sister Sheets. And I'll just call my bed the Word. So when you call and say, Pastor, what have you been doing all day? I've been in the Word. In fact, I'm still in the Word. I got to go. Bye. Click. But if you invite me to a church where it's a church that God goes to that church, where I'm not going there to be impressed by people or to be impressed by programs or to be impressed by a popular preacher or to be impressed by anything else. But if you're inviting me because there's a potential that during a worship time like this, a real, authentic God, creator of the heavens and the earth, who gave his son, might potentially show up at that meeting, sign me up all day. I'm there at that church. And I'm passionate because of the presence of God. In Exodus chapter 33 Exodus chapter 33, verse 1, the Bible says that the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it, and I will send my angel, my choice angel, some translations say, before you. And I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way. For you are a stiff-necked people. Oh, thank you, God, for ending in it on a positive note. <clears throat> God is having a conversation with Moses, and he's saying, Moses... There's the promised land. There's the promised land. Enter in it. I'm staying behind, but don't worry. I'm sending you with a choice angel. I'll stay here. That's where you're supposed to go. That's the promise. Take all of Israel with you. Take one of my choice angels and go on and go ahead over to the promised land. And, I, and I'm so glad that God didn't say this to the people of Israel. Because the people of Israel were ready, they were all ready to, to go back to Egypt without the presence of God. So had he said this to Israel, the people of Israel, they would have gladly, if they would have gladly had gone back to Egypt without God, they would have for sure gotten into the promised land with one of his choice angels. But God didn't say this, speak this to Israel, he spoke this to the leader, he spoke this to Moses. He says, Moses, you're going over there. Take Israel. Take one of my choice angels. I'm staying here, but you go. Let's, let's look at Moses' answer. Let me show you Moses' response. 
In verse 15 of that same chapter, Moses said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Where is here? Where, where is here? It's the desert. It's the desert. It's the heart. It's a place of hardship. It's the place of suffering, the place where they didn't have abundance. And you know what Moses was saying to God in that moment? He was saying, I would rather have your presence in this place of suffering than the promised land without your presence. Moses was more passionate about God's presence than he was about God's promise. And if there's anything that the wilderness, desert, call it whatever you want to call it, experience is trying to get out of you, is to make you men and women that are more passionate about the presence than we are about where we're going or the promise. <laughs> Moses says, nah, I'm not going, but you've got a choice angel. I know, but it ain't you. Where we're going as a church, it's not enough just to go with popularity. It's not enough just to go with good music or good programs. It's not enough just to go with, with, with history. It's not enough just to say, oh, we're going to have angels come with us. We're going to have the miraculous come with us. Where we're going, I don't care who comes. I don't care what it comes like. I don't care what the trappings are. All I care about is, God, are you going with us? And if the answer is yes, then I'm with you. I'm following you because I don't want to live a future without your presence. I'd rather stay in this moment with you than in that moment without you. Somebody give God praise if you like God's presence. Here's why Moses said in verse 16, here's why we want your presence, God, because how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Moses thanked God, this is, this is the thing that separates us as a people. It's your presence. It's what separates us, God, from all of the religions and all of the people on earth and all of other people groups. It's your presence. He's saying the line of demarcation that separates the church from any other religious institution, from any other lowercase gods, from any other religion or tradition, what separates you and me, sir, ma'am, the church, is the presence of God. It is the manifest presence of God. T.L. Osborne, missionary evangelist, who's with Jesus now, who died a number of years ago. He was a missionary and evangelist to the Middle East and in India. T.L. Osborne, when he gets there initially, He's meeting with Muslim communities and bringing imams and Muslim leaders from those communities together. And he would sit, sit down in a room with them. And at the table, he would throw his Bible down off the table and say, this is the word of God. The imams would throw their Korans on the table and say, no, this is the word of God. Till Osborne would say, no, this is the word of God. 
And the imams would say, no, this is the word of God. And for years, he tried, to, he tried to break into those regions. He comes back to America completely defeated and broken, feeling like a failure. But he had an encounter with God. He encountered the presence and the person of God. And when he encountered God, it had completely changed and transformed his life. So much so that he went back to the Middle East and to India. And he didn't just come with a Bible. He didn't just come with a program. He didn't just come with good words. He came with the presence of God. And today, over a hundred million people today know Jesus Christ because of the influence of one man who had went there initially without the presence and saw nothing but went back with the presence and saw God transform nations for his glory. He said, I failed as a missionary and I refuse, I will not go back to the place of my assignment without the presence. How can we have that as a reality in our lives? Friends, let me tell you, it's Jesus. It's because Jesus is alive. How, how, how can we have presence in services like this? It's because Jesus is not dead. He rose again on the third day. We serve a risen Savior who says in his word, when praises goes up, I come down. In fact, John 14, 21 says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. And watch this. And I will manifest myself to him. I will, I will show up. The word manifest means to bring from the realm of the unseen to the realm of the seen. From the realm of the unheard to the realm of the heard. From the unknown into the realm of the known. When God says he will manifest himself to you, friends, that's what we're in need of today. We all know that he is omnipresent, which means that he's everywhere. But there's something completely different from the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God. We need now more than ever to see and feel and smell and touch the manifest presence of God. Because that's what transforms. That's what sets free. That's what heals. That's what changes lives forever. Not prim and proper. Presence and power. And we need that more than ever. We owe it to the next generation to have meetings where Jesus shows up and shows off and does only what he can do. when God reveals himself to our senses. And friends, listen, that is a legitimate part of the Christian experience. We should be desperately passionate for the manifest presence of God. And number three, we will close in just a moment. Number three is power. And power is simply consequential because once you get presence... You cannot get God's presence without getting God's power. It's presence and power. Paul, the apostle, 
One day we find him in the city of Athens. And Paul, by the way, was one of the greatest intellectuals of his time. Had he been alive today, he would have been, he, he would have been the, the, the chair of the school of divinity at an Ivy League school. He was brilliant. He was a genius. He was a theological mastermind. And so Paul is at a city called Athens, and as he's walking throughout that city, he sees all of the, all of the altars, all of the places where people are gathering together to worship, to express their love to other deities. The Bible says that he walks by one with the inscription to an unknown God. And he's thinking to himself, man, they've covered all the bases. That they've even constructed an altar to the unknown God just in case we missed one. So Paul decides to go to a little place in Athens, the Acropolis, called Mars Hill, to present and to give a sermon. He goes to Mars Hill, he draws a crowd, gathers a crowd together, because they're there for worship. So he goes to church at Mars Hill, they're all gathered together, and listen, seminarians, theologians, students of homiletics, and students of the Bible all concur that the sermon that Paul preaches is probably one of the best sermons you'll ever find in the scriptures. Paul did everything right. He understood his audience. His introduction was impeccable. His first, second, and third point connected so well. He, he understood who he was speaking to. In fact, he, he actually included in his sermon connecting points. He built common ground. He talked about some of their poets. And even pointed to the altar that was erected to the unknown God and, and somehow weaved it into his message and, and then landed the plane in such a powerful way and gave every person an opportunity to respond. And the Bible says that not much happened at that meeting. And yet this is the sermon that Bible college students and seminarians everywhere look to and says, when, when we craft a sermon or a message, th this is the outline. There's, there's no other better sermon that we see in Scripture that connects with people and builds common ground, the introduction and the ending in the middle. It's all wonderful. And yet Paul leaves Athens that day discouraged and says to himself, I've got to change my approach. He goes to another Greek city by the name of Corinth. He goes to Corinth and he, and, and he tells the Corinthian church years later to explain who he was. He says, listen, when I came to you, in fact, you can read it in, in, second, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. He said, when I showed up to you in Corinth, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom like it was in Athens. I learned something in Athens. I learned that human wisdom and great articulation and great sermons alone won't cut it. People don't need another sermon. 
They don't need three points in a poem. They don't just need a preacher. But I learned something in Athens, Corinth, and that is, but I will preach, I will use words, but I also will come in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? So that your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. And we need some of those kinds of preachers today. And it worked because you never see Paul writing a letter to the church in Athens. You know why? There was no church in Athens. And Paul realized if we're gonna if we're gonna transform the world, we just can't show up looking cute. Talent isn't enough. We've got to show up, and not only because we not only have a gospel that is to be declared, but it's to be demonstrated with power, signs, and wonders. And so he said, Corinth, this is how I'm coming at you. With persuasive words and with the demonstration of the Holy Ghost and power. Why? Because we don't want you coming to church and leaving and saying, my God, my faith is in Pastor Juan. My trust is in Pastor Juan. Pastor Juan changed my life. No, I can't do any of those things. I might be able to inspire you, but my God, Jesus didn't die just for you to leave here inspired. He died so that you can encounter him, so that your faith and trust would be placed in the only one that can transform you. When you taste the power of God, you never walk away. And so why am I passionate about the church? A number of things, but really because of presence and power. Because Jesus is still alive, and Victory Christian Center, we get to move into a future with the presence of God that will overcome anything and everything that we might face. And that's why I'm passionate about the church. I need somebody to give me some chords. Because we're going to partake of communion in just a moment. But before we do that, I want everyone's attention. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I feel the presence of God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. In no way am I asking you to bow your head and close your eyes so that I can manipulate you or coerce you. That's not why I'm asking you to do that. I simply just want to give you privacy in this moment. By all rights, by all rights, I could build the case of why you need Jesus. I could talk about your sin. I could talk about your shame, your guilt, your anger, your bitterness, your addiction. But in this atmosphere, I don't need to prolong this moment. Because all day you've been experiencing the goodness of God and when he shows up everything else has to back up and in a moment you're going to experience the greatest miracle that you have in your life and that's the miracle of salvation where Jesus Christ will come into your life forgive you of all of your sin wash you clean 
You'll be born again and become a follower of Jesus. You'll begin to live your life with him and for him. And you'll do and take your next step, your very first step, like many did this morning in water baptism in just a few weeks. If you're here today, sir, ma'am, and you cannot find proof that Jesus Christ has totally forgiven you of your sin, that's something that must be immediately fixed. You cannot leave here today without making the greatest decision of your life. And that is to give Jesus an opportunity and a chance to come into your life and completely forgive you and take up residence in your life. Your sin separates you from a holy God. And only Jesus can fix that. So right where you're sitting, I'm going to ask you to do something very courageous. I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up. But it's not a favor to me, it's a favor to you. Because I will pray for you if that's you, but I can't unless you do me this one important favor, and that's slip your hand up. If there's any reason, there's any important reason, any more important reason for you to slip your hand up, this is the one. This is the decision that you never turn down. This is the moment you never postpone. This is the moment where everything changes right where you're sitting at. On the count of three, you're far from God. On the count of three, you're going to shoot that hand up and you're going to join others. One, don't be backward. Don't be ashamed. Two, forget about the others. Three, now, do it quickly all over this place. Bless you. Bless you in the back. I see you, sir. I see you, ma'am. I see you, ma'am. I see you. I see you in the back. I see you on the side. God bless you. In the front, I see you. All the way in the back. A couple back there. I see you. I see you. God sees you. God sees you in the back. God bless you. God sees you. God sees you. God bless you. God bless you. Go ahead and slip your hands down. I want everyone looking at me. We're all standing on our feet right now. So I'll stand quietly. We're going we're to partake of communion in just a moment. As we're standing, those of you that slipped your hand up, I want to pray for you. Right now, get out of your seat. Meet me right here at the altar. Come quickly. Come. Don't be backwards. Sir, ma'am in the back. Come quickly. Come. I want to pray for you. Meet me right here. Sir, come. Over here, the couple back here. Come on, come quickly. You slipped your hand up. Just come. You're not coming to me. You're coming to Jesus. Come, come, come. Come on, we'll pray for you. Come, sir. Come, ma'am. Jesus loves you, buddy. Yeah. You want to help me pray for these people? 
Yeah. Guys, in just a moment, you didn't come to me. You came to Jesus. And he still does miracles. And he's getting ready to do one in your life. God sees you. He sees you. You feel like he's ignorant of what you're going through. Like he doesn't understand. Like he doesn't get it. He can't understand. No, he understands. And the Bible says that he's touched by the feeling of your infirmity. He's touched by it. And in this moment, a miracle is going to happen. I'm going to invite you to pray this very simple prayer with me and with, with Donnie. This prayer isn't magic. Prayer is simply talking with God. And I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. But you need two things for this miracle to happen besides this prayer. Number one, you need faith. The good news is you already have it. Because faith, the Bible says, is a gift from God. And the reason I know you have faith is because you would not have stepped out of these chairs in front of all these people if God didn't give you the gift of faith. The gift to believe that he's the only one that can forgive you of your sins, make you whole, heal your body, and set your life on a course of serving him forever. That takes faith, and you've got it. Second thing you need is sincerity. Sincerity. Make this your prayer. Church, help me lead these people to their Jesus. And Donnie, help me too. Let's shut our eyes, every eye closed. You're going to talk with Jesus right now. And I want you to say this out loud. Come on, use your voice. Say, Dear Jesus. Here I am today, just as I am. I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all of my sin, to wash me and make me clean. I want to give my life to you. From this day forward, I will follow you. I believe that you died for me and rose again. I'll live for you, Jesus. I give you my life. I want to be born again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah.
Donnie just said that we can defeat the devil together. Come on. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Guys, just stay up here. Here's what we need to do. So we've got, we've got, um, uh, we've got altar leaders that have a packet that they must get into your hand. And they're going to do that in just a few seconds. They're going to put this packet in your hand. Don't go anywhere. Just stay up here. They're going to get that packet into your hand. And then once they do that, right, just hold on to it. Because then we're going to, where's my, oh, it's in my. Then we're all going to do communion together. And then we're going to dismiss everyone to come and receive prayer if they need prayer. So stay right up here. Don't anyone move. Stay right up here. You guys stay right out here. Can our prayer workers give those packets to these folks here? And don't go anywhere. Just grab that packet. Hold on to it. If you want to partake of communion today, but you didn't receive one on the way in, but you want to partake of communion, we'll serve you. Just slip your hand up if you need communion, and our ushers will serve you. Lift them up real high if you need communion. I need one up here. So, ushers, if you can move as quickly as you can, thank you. That's for you. That's for you. I hold that for you. You're welcome. Okay. We've got a lady over here. We've got a few more folks that need communion. Okay, once we need, you need communion, we've got people up front that need communion. These folks need served. All right. Thank you, ushers. Thank you for serving. Okay, here's what we're going to do. This is a little bit different than what you're used to, I know. But there's two parts to this. On top, there's a very thin, clear film. And you're going to peel that back to get the wafer out. Go ahead and do that. It's harder for some people than it is for others. Can you, you got it. There you go, buddy. Grab that wafer right there. Just hold on to it. Don't eat it just yet. We practice here at Victory Christian Center what we call open communion, which, is, which means you don't have to be a member to receive communion. But we do ask you to wait until we partake together. After you take the wafer, go ahead and peel back that aluminum film, that tab. Pull it back. Just like that, slowly. There's juice in there. You got it? Okay, pull it all the way back so that you can reveal the contents of the juice. Okay. For some of you, this is your first time partaking of communion as a follower of Jesus. For many of us, This is something that we do regularly. The Bible says that in doing this, we remember the Lord's body. Not not just his physical body that was broken, wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities. But we remember his body. We remember his church. 
The Bible says that this is a moment of celebration. That when we partake of communion, that we proclaim his death. And in proclaiming his death, we are proclaiming the defeat of the devil and all of his henchmen and demons. In your life today, the devil has been defeated. All of hell has been defeated. That assignment, that strategy that he had to take you out is canceled because of Jesus. The bread represents his body, which was broken for us so that we could be made whole. The word of God says that in the same manner that he took bread, the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, Jesus did, and he broke it, and he blessed it, saying, this is my body, which was broken for you. Now take and eat it in remembrance of me. Let's partake of his broken body together. Go ahead and eat that. In the precious blood. Thank you, Jesus. There is power, power The cup represents the blood that Jesus Christ shed on the cross. The blood. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. But because he shed his blood for all of us, you and I can have forgiveness of sin. And in the same way that he took the bread, he also took the cup after supper and after he had blessed it. He said, take, drink, for this is the blood of my covenant. Take and drink it, all of you, in remembrance of him. Let's partake of the cup of the Lord together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you. Don't leave just yet. Here's how we're going to close. Honey, would you come up? All of you folks that are up here, one last thing. Donnie, this is yours. But I want everyone to take this booklet right here. Grab the pen and grab this card right here. If you filled one out already, I still want you to do it. Just grab this card. And I want you to go ahead and I want you to fill this card out right here. Do that now, the bottom portion. And then I want you to mark here in the back of it, today I began a relationship with Jesus. Everyone do that. Donnie, why don't you go ahead and fill that out. Fill that out right there. As you're doing that, as you're doing that, I want our prayer team to go ahead and come and get ready to pray for people. So if our prayer team can come. And after you're done filling this card out, tear it off 
and place it up here at the altar. After you're done filling it out, tear it off and place it right up here at the altar. Those of you in your seats, look at me real quick. We're closing right now. My wife and I, we're going to bless all of you. And at the end of the blessing, you can either leave, you can stay and worship, or if you need prayer for any reason, you can come and receive prayer. You don't have to be a member of Victory to receive prayer. You don't have to be a bad person to receive prayer. I need prayer. You need prayer. So if you need prayer for any reason, someone from our prayer team will pray with you. So at the end of this blessing, if you need prayer, we invite you to come receive prayer. Those of you that are done filling that card out, place that card, tear it off, put it at the altar, and then just do me a favor and just take about two steps back. And then if you need more prayer from someone from the team, they'll be available to pray with you. I'd prefer you not run off, but just stay and soak in God's presence and receive more prayer after you fill that out, all right? Prayer team, if... Yeah, go ahead and take just one step back. If prayer team, if you can kind of get ready and squeeze up here in front of these wonderful folks here this morning. Those, those of you here, just take two steps back. There you go. Wonderful. Donna, we're going to bless folks, okay? Keep your eyes open. Friends and family of Victory Christian Center, I bless you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you his peace, his shalom. May he lift up his face and his countenance upon you. May he who neither slumbers nor sleeps keep you as the apple of his eye. May this week be a week of presence and of power. May you be passionate about your king your Savior, your Lord, His church. May God use you in incredible ways this week to bring His presence and His goodness to the world around you. I bless your homes, your families, your marriages, your children, your health, your finances, your schooling. I bless you as you leave here that you will leave in victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. We love you.